That's religious speak, but there's a certain amount of praying they feel they must do to move the hand of God, but they don't know how much. They feel like if they pray harder, that it will somehow get through more effectively. But none of us can define what harder means. For most of us, it means louder, with more tears. And that, again, is not a biblical concept. Much of what has been taught about prayer has been taught because people have read books outside of the book. So I'm just going to try to adjust some things this morning and be very careful while doing it because it's not that what has been done in the past is totally without merit, but possibly we could do it better. Does that, does that make sense? I hope so. Um, I want to go back and just in your thinking all the way back to Adam and Eve. And I'm not going to read. I'm going to heavily paraphrase and just talk about the story. But is that my connection? I know it's my mic. Is it my connection? Thank you. When Adam and when Eve offered Adam the fruit. Eve was doing what ladies do. They offer what seems good to them, to their mates. And the whole world has come down very hard on Eve because of that. When in reality, it was kind of up to Adam to say, yeah, come on Eve, this might taste good and look good, but..." remember what Father said. So, I'm not going to bear down heavy on that. But when they hid themselves, and God said, Adam, where are you? Adam said, well, you know, I was, I was naked, and so I hid. And God said, who told you you were naked? Now, look at the... Look at the um, the implied teaching here as well as the explicit teaching. That in effect, God was saying, Adam, I never said that to you. In other words, Adam, it wasn't my looking at you that's bothering you. It's the way Eve looked at you after you partook of the fruit and the way you looked at Eve and caused both of you to hide. Now, I would suggest that much of what we do in the religious world is not because of our concern of what God sees, but our concern of what our brothers and sisters see. That I, if I'm not careful, I will pray in a certain way because Ellen won't think, think I'm as holy as I want her to think I am if I just conversationally pray to God. i got to put some these and thous and, and those and all this stuff in it if I'm going to appear holy. 
There's so, there so much anointing on this message that's messing with the sound. <laughs> now, even in the extreme, in, in the appearance of people in, in the Christian world, that if they don't look, if they don't look like I approve of, then I look at them with the kind of eye that causes them to want to hide behind what I approve of. It's something to do with the fallen human nature. So, many years ago, I began to, I began to see this because I was watching... Uh, people that were, well, let's put it this way, people that I knew very well, watching them do what they'd done and called it prayer. And I'm thinking of one person in particular, very well thought of in, in certain circles because of how much scripture he could quote and the fact that he was always talking about the fact that he prayed three to four hours every morning. But the problem was many of us really knew him outside the pulpit. We knew that he was a very mean man to his family. We knew that he was a very judgmental man to those that were around and didn't do it like he'd done it. So in my mind, I, I always have this mind that God needs to continue to redeem. But there was a conflict there. Because if you're doing all this stuff that the Christian world says you have to do, yet it's not affecting your life other than Sunday, then is it really the stuff that God wants you to do? So one of my mentors, a man named Ben Tipton, a mighty man of prayer, and a man that's quite different. He, he spent a lot of time in talking with God and communicating with God. And I talking with him about this, and I said, Ben, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start to teach prayer in a different way. And both of us being from Oklahoma, he, he said something that, that I could. He said, Glenn... If you think you can ride that horse, get on it. But he said, I'm telling you, that's a religious devil. <laughs> he, he didn't mince words. So from that time on, I've been personally studying it and looking at it. And one thing that I've learned through the, through the years is when I look at the words of Jesus, it's very important when I, when I consider them to consider that Jesus was not a smart mouth. And Jesus was not someone that was always hammering on people, even religious people. He didn't hammer on them all the time. He said things to get their attention. And he said to those people that were the Pharisees, he said, you think that you'll be heard because of your much speaking. Now, he wasn't getting on them. He was trying to adjust their thinking. He said, you think that because you say it a lot, that you'll be heard. And if you look at all of his teaching that surrounds us, you'll realize that Jesus believed you were heard, period. That there was no measure of how many times you said it or how often you said it or the volume. There was no measure of that. He believed that you just talked with the Father. 
And he also said, it's vain to just repeat the same thing all the time. It's empty, it's useless, it's, it's of no value if you just repeat the same thing all the time. Why? Because it's taken outside of the realm of communication. How many of you have been around somebody that feels like they have to tell you the same story 432 times in the same week? It gets kind of hard to deal with, don't it? I wonder if God might feel like that. Maybe. These disciples that were around Jesus, they had grown up in the, in the schools of the, of the rabbis where, where the psalms and the, the prayers of the prophets, they were, they were part of the teaching, part of the education. They were taught to memorize and to repeat these psalms. They were taught to sing these psalms. They were taught that this is the verbiage. This is the, this is the words. This is the way of prayer. They were taught that. But there's something about the way Jesus interacted with Father that caused those same men who had grown up thinking they knew how it was done, say, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us, teach us to communicate with God. Teach us what it means. Now, I hope all of you have a honey packet. I, I appreciate the ladies passing that out. And uh, my wife, understanding human nature like she understands it, she said, well, you know, we, we also should... Uh, give them something to help clean up in case there's an explosion. So I think there's a I think there's also a something there. A, a who? Oh, boy, am I hearing. Huh? I'm glad I didn't repeat what I thought you said. <laughs> I want you to just open that just a little bit and you can you can put the whole packet in your mouth if you want, but just squeeze a little bit on your tongue and just let that go through your mouth just a little bit. If you throw up behind me there the 34th Psalm, verse 8, now I want to give credit to this illustration to Bob Hamp. And those of you that are on keto, a little taste of honey won't, won't kill you. <laughs> and those of you that have diabetes, a little taste won't kill you. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Once you begin to experience the goodness of God, once you get just a little taste of it and recognize it for what it is, now turn, with, turn to Psalm 119, verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Uh, consider with me now with this that notice how that honey just fills your fills your senses for just for just a little bit and stays with you. Like honey is his word, his the goodness of God. Now, just think of goodness. Would it be a good God that would 
have the ability to turn loose everything that pertains to life and godliness in you, yet withhold himself off out in the heavenly somewhere and say, I'm not going to tell you how long, but you got to pray a long time before I'm going to release what you need in your life. Would that be a good God? Folks, I hope you get this. As I have studied this, and this has been a lot of years now, I have found that I pray more now than I did when I prayed religiously. Because I talk to God all the time. Sometimes people think I'm talking to myself. I'll be, I'll be in Walmart grocery shopping and people look at me. They go by and I'm realizing I'm kind of mumbling here. And they think I'm crazy and maybe I am, but I'm talking to God. And a lot of times I'm talking to him about Anything you want me to say to this one or that one? God, what, what about that one? Can we do something here? Can we, can we say something? Can we do something? And it don't matter what your nature is. Your nature might be like Daffy Duck, just rattle, 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 rattle. Your nature might be this, that more reserved that stands back and watches and don't say much. God's fine with any of that. What he wants is to communicate with you. And what he wants is for there to be a constant, ongoing awareness in you that he's good. And that he's there for you to taste and to see all the time. And a lot of times the enemy tries to come in with, with the powers of darkness and get that darkness to overpower the goodness of God. And you begin to focus on that. It's your choice. If you want to focus on that, it's your choice. But that's not where God is. God is he indwells you. He surrounds you. He's here. And He's here in that goodness. In Him is goodness. And the Bible says there's no shadow of turning. In other words, He's never other than good. Wherever you find good, you find God. So when you begin to think, oh, what's God doing? God, why did you do it? He didn't do it. He's wanting to talk to you about it. He's wanting to help you to understand how you can make decisions that will get you out of that. He just needs you to be willing to become aware on His level and to interact with Him. Now, there will be other times when I'm going to talk about the different ways we, we can use this communication with God. But this morning, I just want to connect you in to, to communication with God in a way that maybe, maybe you've, you've not looked at. But you think of this... That when you begin to taste of the availability of God, it just fills your being. It becomes your first resource. It becomes your first reaction. I, when I first talked with Todd on the phone and he told me just a little bit about, about Bill's diagnosis, the first place I went in my mind was, God, what, where are you in this? What, what are you saying? My, my mind, my unredeemed part of my mind, wanted to jump in and say, oh no, it's back and, and you're not going to beat it this time. But I refused to go there. Why? Because God is with me. God is in me. God wants to talk to me about this. God wants to say something. And as I began to pray and, and to talk about it, I began to realize that there's something in me that was of the sire. There's something that was welling up in me that was of God. The desire of my heart was, let's not let him go out like this. 
Yes, it's appointed unto man once to die. I understand that, but it doesn't have to be like this. Let's not let this go without a fight. And the thing about it, when God's people rise up and fight, we win. And you say, well, what if? Or what about this? What about nothing? What about the presence of God in you? What about the presence of God that surrounds you? What about a God that is a loving and a good God and wants to fill your being with the knowledge of His goodness? That's where we start, is He's good. He's a good God. He loves you. He, he has given Himself for you. And that's the beginning of everything. And starting from there, everything is different. How did we ever get to this place of having a God that somehow... I could put a, a spiritual hammer lock on him by praying long and hard. Is he God? And no matter what I do, I'm not going to change him. He's God. So I need to figure out who he is, what he's doing, and work with him. And then... What wells up in me will be of the, of the sire. The, the sire, the desire of my heart will well up and that will be of God. This is something that God has really been dealing with me over the past 10 years. Um, and that is our tendency to pray beyond our healing. And I've, I've, it's been 10 years and I still don't really know how to explain that, but let me try that when Jesus came out of the Jordan from being baptized, the Holy Spirit manifested upon him. And, and the, we heard the voice, of the, heard, they heard the voice of heaven saying, this is my son. I'm really pleased with him. That's number one I want you to see is when you sense the presence of the Holy Spirit, that's the Father connecting with you, and he's saying, you know, I'm really pleased with you. You say, but you don't know what I did yesterday. I'm not really interested in that. If you're still moving ahead, trying, trying to work with God to be changed, he's really pleased with you. But what the Holy Spirit was doing, was he was manifesting himself where Jesus was aware of his presence and in effect. Now, this is, this is Glenn Berry's interpretation, but in fact, he was saying, come on, Jesus, now let's go do some stuff. When you feel the Holy Spirit rise up in you, He's not just blessing you. That is a blessing, but He's saying, come on, let's do some stuff. Let's do something that a son of God would do. Let's do something that, the, that a daughter of God would do. Let's do some stuff. <laughs> I feel it right now just talking about it. I'm telling you that when that happens... The connection right there is now I need to change my thinking. I, I need to realize that now God is involved in, and this healing is happening because I've prayed for it. There's a manifestation of the rise of the Spirit. This healing is happening. I don't need to keep fasting and praying that God will heal me. He's in the business. He's got it started. It's happening. Now I need to talk with Him about, Lord, how, how do I cooperate with that? How, what, what, what can I adjust to make, that, to make that happen more fully? And I spend my days in communication with him. Every time my mind is, doesn't have to be engaged with something else, I'm back engaged with him. What, what did I read in the book? What did he speak to me? What am I willing to grab hold of and say, God said, and God, now I, I got it. How, how do I work with? You see, 
There's all this stuff that we have out there that we've been taught that somehow if we'll just keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, that one day somebody will flip a switch and it'll all be there. Folks, it's just not the way it works. And sometimes we leave the faith of having heard him and get out into the fear of having not yet seen it and pray beyond our healing. Pray beyond our answer. And it's a bad place to be out ahead of God because the storm's out there. He's the rock we hide behind. We, we are in the shadow of His wings and, and we need to be where He is. And He's not manifesting in the, in the past. He's not manifesting in the future. He's manifesting now. Let's work with that. I don't know how clear this is, but I'm, I'm just trying to to say things, I, I didn't make an outline on this because the Lord really challenged me on it. I got about halfway through and he said, you're making this way too complicated. Just throw it away. Delete it. Took me 30 minutes to figure out how to delete that whole thing off my computer. But I did it. Now, look, look at Luke chapter 18, verse 1. And he was telling them a parable to show that at all times, they ought to pray and not to lose heart. Now, any of you that have done any studying of linguistics, language in any way, you find that through the course of time, uh, words change in their meaning. And my goodness, just listen to this generation now, this young generation talking, you'll know what I mean. I mean, their language doesn't compute with me because they're saying things that I was taught, no, you don't ever say. But they don't mean what it meant when I was taught not to say it. Men ought. Back when this word was first begun to be used and translated, it had a much different meaning than it does now. For us now, when we think men ought always to pray, it's like there's a strong suggestion there that uh, that you should pray. But Back when it was first translated, ought was used to describe a necessity. That if life is going to be as it should be, you have a necessity, you ought to do this. So how does that change the way we've looked at this verse? There is a necessity that you communicate with God. You see, we're men. We're women. We're, we're being moved out of a fallen nature into something much more powerful. And it's necessary, if we're going to maintain that life, it's necessary that we would communicate with God. Now, and not lose heart. And we've all heard the terms of somebody, somebody is being so effective because they're putting their heart in it. You notice that person singing, and, and you just, you, there's an anointing on it. It's not necessarily uh, technically sound, but there's an anointing on it that, that there's heart in it. And this is what Jesus was saying. He told them these parables to show them that there is a necessary level of communication with God so that you can put your heart in it, so that you can put your emotion in serving Him. You can't do it outside of communication with God. And that's more than just locking yourself away for 30 minutes a day and coming out saying, well, I've got my praying done for today. No. No, no, no. That you understand that you rise up into the presence of God. 
and that you hear him and you walk with him and you speak what he's speaking and you say what he's saying and you, you really listen when he makes make suggestions about how you need to move on something and you move that way, understanding that we have a fallen nature to overcome. That there is a body of this death that lays on us that the, new, that the, that the Spirit of Christ is the only one that can get us out from under it. And that is certainly applies to healing. You hear me, if, if you're thinking that, you, that God is going to heal you and you know a way that, that will get you into better health and you're not doing it, to him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, that's sin. It's just that simple. So you can't keep praying out beyond your healing when back here he says, now if you'll adjust this. I'll empower you, I'll help you, I'll enable you, but if you'll adjust adjust this, then we'll get you well. We'll we'll get you out here. We'll get you into into the newness of life. And prayer is, it's necessary that we communicate with God on this level. We, We can't just say, okay, God, I'm saved. I've got it now. I'll see you in heaven. No. Day by day by day. Think of how it would change. The way you interact with people in your life on a day-to-day basis, your boss, your employees, whatever, think about how that would change if you never opened your mouth to them unless you were aware of what God was, his opinion in this part of your brain while this part of your brain is working on, working on whatever uh, normal, natural need there is. How would it change? How, guys, how would it change the way you interact with your wife? If you were constantly aware that there's a three-way conversation going on here all the time, that when, when that little thought comes in there, maybe I shouldn't say that, that's probably not you. That's probably God. <laughs> now, I, I'm not going to address the lady side of that thinking because I don't know. I'm not a lady in case you hadn't noticed. So when Jesus is saying men ought always to pray and not lose heart he wasn't he wasn't chiding them saying you know you'd get along better if you pray he said if you're going to live this new life you're going to need to be it's necessary that you're connected with God that you're communing with God that you're hearing him that you're understanding him that you're beginning to move forward this will bring the newness of life to you is this is this beginning to resonate a little bit because I would submit to you that because of the hyper-faith, hyper-prosperity doctrine that's been in the nation, that there has been months and years of praying time wasted because people didn't understand the very basics of prayer, the very basics of communicating with God. Jesus, yes, chiding, but not, not being angry, saying, you know, you think you're going to be heard because of your repetition, because you keep saying it. He said, he said, that's the way the heathen pray. That's the way the heathen come before their God. And just in your own mind, think of how much prayer time that you waste in repetition. Time that could have been spent just listening. Here's something I found out about listening to God. Sometimes I don't just get quiet and He speaks. 
sometimes I have to stay quiet while he's developing my ability to hear what he's saying because I'm not hearing on the level that he's speaking. I had a conversation this morning with a couple in New York about their teenage son. Isn't that odd? That, that just seems odd to me. Why would someone in New York call me to talk with me about a problem with their teenage son? I don't know. But I was just, this is basically what I was telling them. You can't, you can't figure this out unless you hear God. Unless you teach him to hear God. You can't figure this out. You've got to hear God. You can't go and quote scriptures to this kid. That's not going to help. You can't get off in a closet somewhere and when you hear his footsteps coming by, yell his name out so he'll know you're praying about him. That's not going to help. What's going to help is when you hear God and let that conversation flow and touch that kid. When you bring light to their darkness, that's what's going to help. Don't waste time on anything else. If you haven't yet heard him, then just keep being quiet until you somehow are changed from the inside where you can hear what he's saying and then begin to, add, begin to move out of that. It takes your time. It, the Bible says that it's, it's the glory of a king to conceal a matter. In other words, when, when our king has a matter that he's not yet showing us, He's showing approval to us, glory. He's showing approval to us because He hid it. He's not going to let you have it in the shape you're in right now. But if you'll hang with Him, and you'll begin to let, get put heart in the matter and get that change, then He'll start to talk to you about it. He'll unveil it to you. Because that glory means that He approves of your ability, and He knows He can get you there if you'll just submit to the process. It's, a, it's His glory toward you that conceals it. It's your glory toward Him, your approval toward Him, that you're willing to settle down and work it out. Sometimes willing to go months not hearing His answer, but knowing it's coming, knowing that He's switching something in me. No, my waiting is not putting some kind of a chokehold on God. It's not twisting His arm. I heard a preacher preach a whole message one time saying that fasting is like putting a pipe wrench on God. You crank Him down. He's got to answer no. It adjusts me. It don't adjust Him. He's God. He never changes. I change all the time. My doctrine has changed almost daily since the day I was born again. <laughs> thankful. I'm so thankful, and so is God. <laughs> Matter of fact, I had an old Bible that was almost worn out, and I was going to throw it away, and Leslie wanted it. And I said, on one condition, that you'll never show anybody what's written in the margins of this Bible, because that is false doctrine. <laughs> it was the first one, the first study Bible I ever had. But folks, if you're not changing then you're not understanding. Here's something about God you need to know. We always hear people, and I make the mistake of saying this from time to time, I try to fix it when I catch it, but I'm living for God. Not really. That suggests slavery. That suggests a boss and his employees 
What I should be saying is I'm living out from God. The life that I live is out from this new birth that's in me, this presence of God that's in me. I'm living out from God. God's complete in himself. There's nothing I can do for him. But there's many things I can do with him. And that's the way he wants to work in this world. And you, you'll start to see some significant things happening in your lives if you'll get out there and understand that you're living out from God and you're going to do some things with Him. And when the Holy Spirit rises up, He's saying, come on, let's do some stuff. Let's do some things. And that's always... It, I, I'm, I'm not one that likes the word supernatural because it's not in the Bible. Because what we do is beyond the fallen man's nature. But for me, as a son of God, it's natural. My natural is pretty super when I will let it be. And so it's not a big thing for me to pray for someone and them to get healed. That's just natural. It's part of being a son in the kingdom. I'm a little surprised when they're not healed. And I, I go back and hit it again. Oh, see, uh, you see men as trees walking. Huh? Well, let's hit that again and see what happens. You don't feel anything yet, huh? Well, let's hit that again and see what happens. Why? Because I got God in me and I'm working out from that. That's like when this thing manifested in Bill again. The first place I went was to God. Yeah, there was that darkness clamoring, trying to come in there. But no, 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 no. We're not going to respond to that. We're going to put light on this thing. How dare the enemy come back and try to take the testimony? I mean, Bill got up right here and jumped in the air and clicked his heels together because he's cancer-free. I want to see him do it again. Amen. And you know, for Bill, that's a, quite a testimony. I, man, I don't know how much God I'd have to have to be able to even get that high off the ground. But the thing is, we got to quit bowing to darkness because light doesn't bow to darkness. Darkness dissipates the moment the light shines. So we should always be working with a question of light. Let me, I've got a lot more than I can get through this morning. Let's go to James. I'm not sure whether it's 517 or 516, but that, the part of it that says the effectual fervent prayer, you got it up here already, okay. Yeah, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Most of us that have been in this a long time at least had our origins in the King James Version. Um, I could tell you some funny stories about that, but I won't. But I want, to, I want to work with that a little bit because I'm trying to remember exactly how the King James says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now when you put E-T-H on the end of something, that really makes it super spiritual. Just throw it out there for the translators among us. <laughs> but I want to look at that effectual fervent for a few moments. Even at the time that the first edition of the King James translation, that meant much of what we think it means now, that effectual and fervent meant that for your praying to be effective, it had to have volume, it had to have tears, it, it had to have at least enough 
of a roughness in your voice to have uh, to convince people around you that you've prayed a lot. Um, <laughs> yes, that's a little tongue in cheek, but most of effectual fervent has its uh, in our thinking has its foundations into how my praying is going to impress Sai. How my praying is going to affect that row of preachers that's parked up here watching people. How my praying is going to affect the city when I'm asked to pray at a citywide meeting. Official praying, uh, ritualistic praying, on and on. Most, most of our thinking about that, but let me tell you what it's really talking about. It's, it's the word in the Latin that we have uh, translated energy. And it, it has to do with an energy that comes from the heart. That that effective prayer, that effectual prayer, comes from an energy of having connected with God, of having really connected with God. Now, I'm going to try to make this happen. I, I, what I'm sensing inside of me right now is going to affect my ability to do this, but I want to try to show you the difference in energy and non-energy. If I just get you up here and I just... Lord, I ask you to touch this person. Lord, I want you to do this healing. I'm not really sure that you're the healer, but if you would see fit to heal this person, then I would appreciate it. Or if I let what is the conviction of my heart touching God, you're the healer. I release healing in the name of Jesus. You notice what happens in the atmosphere, the difference? Everything around that changes because it's effective and it's fervent. It's not loud necessarily. It can be loud. God's not nervous. It can be loud. But neither is he, and neither is he deaf. It can be low. Uh, but it's about what's in the heart and about the connection with, with Father. You ever notice that one person can get up and preach a message and you're just sitting there, man, when's this going to be over? And the next one get up there and preach the same message using almost the same words and it's like the Holy Spirit grabs you and jerks you up to listen. It's the effective fervency of the heart. It's the energy of the heart. It's that person's connection with Jesus that makes the difference. And that's what it's talking about. When you pray out of connection, when you pray out of having having interacted with Jesus, when you, when you understand that He's with us always even to the end of the age, end of the age and that it's the spirit of Christ himself that spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that dwells in you when you understand that when you talk to him the very atmosphere changes and you begin to learn how to use that very effectively the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much now some people stumble at that word righteous what makes us righteous Absolutely. The sacrifices of Christ. Because of that, I'm righteous. If I have accepted it, and I have had that reconnection with him, then if I'll get that relationship to where I understand that I'm working out from God, then when I pray, it'll accomplish a lot. 
it will accomplish a lot. And it goes through the distance. Prayer has no geography. There's times that I will be sitting in some kind of a service and somebody will be getting prayed for and I'll sit there and listen a minute and I'll realize that's a religious prayer. I have no authority in this house, but I'm going to pray without them even knowing it. I'm going to lay hold in that deal and I'm going to change something. And something will happen. Why? Because the effective, energetic prayer of somebody that had a relationship cut aside that dark nonsense, laid hold of it and said, I'm a son of God. Something will happen here. Something will give. And you can all work like that. It's not just me. You can all work like that. And it can be as simple. They don't even have to hear you pray. There's times that I'll be in a situation where I know the laying on of hands is not accepted. And you know what? I work under the authority of the house. If that's not accepted, I'll clasp my hands together and keep talking to them about behaving. And I'll move over and put my shoulder against somebody and pray. (laughs) Boom! Ah! Got them. Folks, you're loaded. It's not just that these are loaded. You're loaded. The presence of God exudes from you if you understand it. And you've got to understand that you can change the atmosphere no matter where you are. And if you'll do that, then you'll find that your praying is going to accomplish a lot. And I'm going to get through this rest of this in a, in a hurry. I knew even on this little piece of paper, I had more notes than I could get through. But the vain repetition that Jesus was talking about is a sign of lack of confidence. You ever heard somebody just kept repeating, kept repeating, kept repeating? Why? It's because they felt like they weren't being heard. And I'm not talking about praying now in any situation. They just keep saying it, keep saying it, keep saying it. Why? They don't think anybody's heard them. And then that much speaking. This one was probably... No, not the most prevalent, but at least equally as prevalent. They just talk, 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 because there's no well-formulated statement. Wait till you know what God is saying, and then say that. It'll be very concise. It'll be very effective. It'll be from the heart, and it'll be powerful. Mm. Just let this stuff ruminate in you now. The Holy Spirit knows. And we, we talk a lot about intercession. But there's some things about intercession. The Holy Spirit is our intercessor. Now, one who intercedes causes a meeting. The Holy Spirit that indwells you, when you say what He says, He'll cause a meeting. Now, I'm not talking about only speaking in in tongues. I'm talking about praying what he's saying. You know, we hide behind the Shababa. You know, I'm sorry, but we do. No, I'm not sorry. We do. That sometimes because God is saying something that we're afraid to say, we hide in the tongues. Why? Because we don't want to say what we hear him saying. Other times, we hide behind it because we don't want the, the formation that that happens in us. Because when you pray a God-spoken prayer, now you're committed. 
Now you've made a commitment because it's a three-way deal. If I hear God and I speak it to Sai, it's not just Sai's business now. It's God's business, my business, and Sai's business. It's covenant. <laughs> That's why I was, I was so waiting, trying to get time and, and things where I could get down and talk with Bill face to face. Yeah, I could have talked to him on the phone, but man, I'm going to pray for him in a way that's going to make this my business. And now it's not just going to be Bill praying and Karen praying and Todd and Heather and Ryan praying. It's going to be all of us praying, all of that wound and twined together. And you pull on one strand, you'll pull on all of them. And the devil just don't have that many hands to pull. So when one is strong, the others might be a little weak. But the truth is we're all going to draw strength from each other and we're going to see it happen. But you've got to understand that when you have the Holy Spirit manifesting in you, that that is Father's seal, that you're a son, that you're a daughter in His kingdom. I hope this is not too embarrassing, but it's, it was a rare thing to me that, that I was listening to Anna recently as she was talking about a mission trip that's coming up, and I saw something rise up in her I'd never seen before. It's the Holy Spirit. You might think it's your own desire, but it's the desire of God that rose up in you. And as I, I seen that rise up, and I recognize that's the Father's seal on Anna's life. And you might have to, I, I'm not saying this, Anna, but it's possible that you would live your life in some way that it would be hard to see that. I don't think you're doing that, but it's possible if you do that. But the fact that he rises up in a time like that tells me he's got your life sealed. <laughs> and that it's all going to be good. We're going to have to get it worked out. She's going to have to get it worked out. But her life is sealed in God. Seeing the same thing happen in Addie. The Spirit of God rise up and touch him. Folks, when that happens, then I don't have to worry about darkness. I just have to worry about how to take care of that light. How to make sure that that light glows as fast as it can and how to help them to fulfill what it is that God is saying in them. How do we become enablers for that rather than enablers of darkness? And folks, that's what prayer is all about. The very foundational level of prayer is just simply communication with God. Yeah, I was listening to Michael pray this morning and I was thinking that's a good illustration of, of what I'm going to be talking about because... The heart that Mike was showing was engaged with God and God's compassion toward Bill. And it's hard to express at that moment, isn't it, Mike? It, words just sometimes don't seem to be able to do it. But we can know that the Holy Spirit himself is making intercession. He's saying what needs to be said. The, he's making that connection with the Father. And when we don't know how to speak as we ought... Know that the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us, and that's not always speaking in tongues. Sometimes it can be. When I, when I make fun of that, that aspect of speaking in tongues, believe me, I am not making fun of speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues, Jude says, you build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You want to hook yourself up and charge spiritually? You walk around for about half a day just, feel that? I'm telling you, that's real. Do I know what I said? No, I don't need to know. I trust this spirit that's in me. Now, he might tell me, but I don't need to know because I trust him. Hallelujah. How many would be honest enough to stand up and say, I need to ask Jesus to just teach me to pray? Anybody? 
If you do, just stand right up. We're going to close it praying like that. For, Lord, you know I'm standing up. God, you've been teaching me for almost 30 years now. It's been since I first started working with this subject. God, teach me to pray. Teach me, God. Teach me what it is to communicate more efficiently with you. And God, above all things, put a, put a, a check in my spirit when I am tempted to get off into religious praying, into official praying, into, into heathenistic praying. God, put a check in my spirit. Because, God, I don't want to waste time in communication with you and getting off into those things that only demonstrate unbelief. Father, this is a praying church, and I don't want to diminish anything that we do, but teach us to be effective as we pray. Teach us who we are in you. Above all things, teach us who we are in you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. You know, I don't know what Mark Drake's going to talk about when he comes. Mark's another one of these guys that I trust him. He's followed God for a long time. He's, he's taught me. He's taught some of the others in this house. And the thing I do know that Mark always talks about is New Covenant grace. It's always in the message somewhere. So if you've got people that need to learn about New Covenant grace, bring them on that Sunday. Mar uh, December 16th, right? <laughs> about, about, about. 16th. 16th, yes. And just, we're going to give Mark complete freedom. I wish we had hours and hours and hours for him to talk. He's perfectly capable, but we got that one Sunday for you to get to know him. So uh, do that. We're, we've been kicking around the idea, I don't know that we've really confirmed it, of having the church Christmas celebration on the Saturday night before and have Mark and Linda with us downstairs where people could interact with him. If, if we're able to pull that together, that's probably what we'll do. So keep those two dates open, invite people, and just know that this man is not, he's not just any fly-by-night teacher coming through. This is a tremendous teacher of the Word of God. So God bless you. Thank you for coming. You're dismissed.